Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Azuz. And on this week's episode, I was joined by Alicia Birch from Anderson James Group. All you need to know about this story is for the first three years of Alicia's journey in recruitment, she billed 20 grand in a year. She joined the Anderson James Group and back to back become their top performer. Being over 200 grand in the first year and over 300 grand in the second year. And we dug into exactly how that happened, what changed, and it was complete honesty, authenticity. I absolutely love this conversation. I think you're going to absolutely love learning from Alicia. Enjoy the episode. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for making the trip. It was worth it. <laughs> I love London. <laughs> <laughs> love it. No, honestly, thank you so much. Really looking forward to unpack this journey that you've been on. Yeah, it's been wild. Yeah, it's been a, an interesting an interesting one. So just to, to get straight into giving everyone listening just a bit of context. So you've been in recruitment for just over five years. Yeah. Always in the same industry, which is residential. Yeah. You've always done dual desk, but from what you shared to me, it has mainly been perm, but then there might have been like 10% of your billings that have been contracts. Yeah, yeah, mainly. So the last two and a bit years... You've worked at AJ. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, then, with, yeah. <laughs> with uh, Big James Layton. Obviously, he's been, on, he's been on, uh, <laughs> on the podcast. Um, and then before that, you worked for two different brands. But I think where you've really kicked on has been the last two, two and a half years with, with AJ, right? Yeah. And I think I've got here, this is a crazy thing that I'm, I am looking forward to digging <laughs> into this, right? So let, let's just get to it, right? So before you joined James and, and his business... Your best year was 20 grand. It's fucking so embarrassing. <laughs> I can't swear, can I? Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's so it, embarrassing. But... This is the thing. It's like, I didn't make any money for three years. So I, I kind of like write that part of my career off. Like it never yeah. happened. Like, yeah. it's like a bad But point. I'm, I'm going to make you relive parts of it, unfortunately, today. <laughs> can't <laughs> um, wait. So, so sat down with James. He's like, best year so far. Alicia, you know everyone. You're well networked. And like, yeah, 20 grand. He, he couldn't get over it. But... Obviously, what you've then gone on to do is hold the top performer title in the last two years. Yeah. Something to be super proud of. I'm fending them off now. <laughs> yeah. First year at AJ, you did 240 grand. Second year, 360. Yeah. And I think the split, like you said, right, pretty much 90% of that has been perms and then 10% has been contract. And then now you are a business development director. You climb the ranks and we're going to dive into all of that today. So yeah. absolutely buzzing. So where we always like to, to start is million pound question. So we'd love to get your take on what does Alicia think are the common characteristics and traits that make up a highly successful recruit in today's market? Let, let's start there. For me, I think the key thing is authenticity. You've got to just be yourself. Like for me, I know there's people out there that don't like me. <laughs> and I know there's people out there that do like me, but I couldn't care less. Like <laughs> the ones that do like me and the ones that don't, you don't speak to. And I think that a lot of people in just in recruitment in general are so bothered about everyone liking them. And that was me. Like, I remember when I came to James two and a half years ago and it, I used to like think the sun shined out of like loads of people that treated me badly when it came to the market. And I was like, this person's amazing. And James was like, no, they're not. Like, what, what have they done for you? And I was like, oh yeah, actually to be fair. And it's just, it's valuing yourself, having real honesty and authenticity in what you're doing. And don't ever change yourself for someone because the reality is they're probably not going to like the version of you that you're trying to be. And they might not like the version of that you that you are, but it's less exhausting being yourself <laughs> and just being, you know, the person that you want to be in the market and spreading that right message that aligns to your values. So the moment that I stopped trying to make everyone like me and started being a bit more, you know, cutthroat mm. <laughs> as such, 
I, I did better. Mm. You know, it, that was kind of when my career rocketed was when I stopped wasting time on people that didn't have time for me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, just started valuing your time. So how, what was Alicia doing to only build 20 grand a year? Like, because you was in it for a lot of while, because we said this, didn't we? Like, yeah. what, what was going on? Like, what do you think you was doing that resulted in, the, in that type of performance? I was enjoying the job too much in the sense of the social aspect of it. Like, not the job of recruitment, but the job of building a market. I was out there all the time. Meeting. It, it gave me a real good foundation to meet people, which is like... Side note, key thing about the job, like relationships are everything. <laughs> but it just gave me three years of just networking, meeting people, understanding the market. Like I knew everybody, but I just didn't know how to make the money match. Mm. So I'd sit there and like I could spring people. Like, in the interview with James, I was like springing people off my head like this person, this person. He was like, how have you built 20 grand? I was like, I don't really know, to be fair. Like I, I just didn't, I didn't see the money and I also didn't value money as much. I wasn't as bothered about it. Whereas, you know, I wasn't around people that were doing that much anyway. The the company as a whole was quite average. Mm. So as soon as you put you take yourself out of that and plop yourself in an environment where everyone's really high performing and there's a bit of like people around you that are making loads of money, you're like, shit, I need to I need mm. to do what they're doing. And it just gave me the the kick up the backside that I needed to just get that mentality. And at the time I had a manager called Rick when I joined Anderson James and I had this breakthrough. And we always talk about it because it was just iconic. And from then on, it was like an understanding that, you know, he was the one that was like, just be yourself, do what you know. But these are the things that you need to do to get there. And James and Rick have always been really, really supportive of, you know, it might not be the right way to do it, but it's my way of doing it. And, you know, it's it's kind of works. But the the 20 grand thing, I can't even get over it now because I'm like, if I'd have joined James three, five years ago, I'd have been, probably been a millionaire. What, um, what, but so like, you know, you said around not, I was meeting people, building my network, building relationships, which is such an important part. So like, that's, that's amazing. But what was it that you think that you couldn't quite get right to like do deals and like, what, what were you struggling with in terms of the, the matching? Why didn't that quite work? I just, that just wasn't at the forefront of my mind. So like, say for example, you've got a really good candidate, you've got a job, immediately now in the position that I'm in now, if you gave me a job, I could give you three people off the top of my head. I'd be like, they're perfect. Boom, in. Mm. Like, I could do it in five minutes. Whereas then, like, someone gave me a job and I'd be like, mm, I knew hundreds of people. I was like, mm, who is that person? I just couldn't do it. And I don't, I don't know why I couldn't do it. Mm. But I wasn't also encouraged to do it. I was very much left on my own, sink or swim. You know, I was out the office four days a week meeting people. My manager, who I love dearly now, he's, he's great, was running his own desk and billing his own stuff. And I just didn't really have the TLC to get me there, which I think's made me realise massively that your environment is so important to your own success. Like as much as everyone's like, you know, you want to work for yourself. And I don't. <laughs> I'd be terrible. I'd sit in bed every day. <laughs> like, I haven't got that like core motivation inside to run my own business. But I also really appreciate the people around me that, push me forward so when I am feeling a bit like that they're like come on Alicia like pull your shit together like mm. you know you know how to do it and then it's straight back to normal lasts about a day whereas before it would have lasted weeks and I'd be in a slump of like oh don't know what I'm doing <laughs> so it is massively the people around you but I just couldn't pin I couldn't pin candidates and money together I just couldn't do it I don't know what it was it was like a mental block yeah fair okay so let's just get on to the last two and a bit years then so you mentioned there uh, with Rick you said right yeah so let's talk about that breakthrough moment you just said, because you said something interesting in terms of like, yeah, the message was be yourself, love that, but do these one, two, three things. What what were yeah. those things? So when I actually interviewed, James and Rick were like, you know, it's a big risk. She's only built 20 grand. Like we take it. It was a massive like wild card. But then I was like the mentality, I'm going to prove to everyone that I can do it. Mm. And then when I went in there, the thing with Anderson James is that they're massive on training, which I'd never had before. I'd been left to it. And then I'd come here and it was like, right, you've got someone listening in on your calls. And da -da -da -da. I honestly, I remember his name's Barham and it's, I've got PTSD from it. He was like whispering in my ear with one of my clients. I'd never spoke to this person before, whispering in my ear, telling me, and I just, I could not, couldn't stop speaking. Telling him like what to say. Yeah. Couldn't stop speaking. Didn't let the client speak. He was trying to tell me that he wasn't, didn't have time for me. I just would not let him say it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, so da -da 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 -da. it was just horrendous. And I remember going into Rick and James, like crying, like, I can't do it. You're trying to change me. And Rick was like, what are you crying for? We're not like, go back to what you know. And the key thing for that James always told me is like meeting everyone is, you know, that's the, th but I'd always done that anyway. So that was really, really easy. Mm. 
Rick had always said, you know, you just need to understand your market. Like mapping your market out is so important. If you ask me any question about my market, I could answer it like mm. off the top of my head. I can ask, I can answer like which people are here, which people are there, how many managers they've got there, how many direct, I can, I can do it all, but it's taken me two and a half years to get there. And that's kind of put me in the position that I'm in now. But the main thing Rick always told me is that it's so important to understand your market. Like if you don't know your market, you're never going to make any money. You don't know where the money is. Mm. So he was always like, you know, we're not trying to change you, but we're going to give you all this information and, and pinpoint bits that you want to take out of it. So the key thing for me was planning that I took out of the training that we had. Listening, you know, listening more than you're speaking. Um, that's <laughs> simple, really, isn't it? But, it's a lot um, harder to do. Yeah, it is. And, it, you know, you get excited, don't you? Like in the, I still get excited to this day about the job, but I think when you start making money, as soon as someone says, yeah, yeah, we'll interview them, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you just need to shut up and just mm. take a step back and don't get excited about the little things. You know, it's you then put yourself on a point where you're like, you've already forecasted it and spent the money in your head. So like, bef- like I'd done, if I'd have done that when I first started, I'd be thinking, oh my God, I'm going to buy a Bentley and a Birkin bag. Oh my God. And then the reality is, <laughs> it's not like that. Because then they drop out and you're like, oh shit, like, a bit of wasted. And you just, you can't manage your emotions very well. Like Rick's always taught me manage my emotions. James has always taught me manage my, like, those mm. those are the key people that have shaped my career at AJ. Mm. I've got a new manager now called Marcus and he's great. But I think that a lot of the foundation of what I learned was from my time with Rick and James because they gave me the attention without micromanaging me, which was massive for me. Mm. So I just want to focus on market mapping for a sec because that that's clearly being really quite important. Yeah, really important. So for anyone listening, then one like when you say understand your market, like what what do you mean by that exactly? So the way I do it, you know, it's a bit might be a bit dated, let's say, but it's on an Excel spreadsheet. So every single company in my market, I've got on an Excel spreadsheet. I've got every CEO, regional director, divisional director, manager. I've got everyone on there. So I move it around as people move. And it's quite a manual way of doing it. People might listen and think that's so pointless and really hard. But it's always worked for me. When companies go into administration, I highlight them red. Mm. Like, it's just, that's how my brain works. But mapping your market out, so in, in my market in particular, it'll have like a CEO, a director, multiple divisional directors, I think it's usually four or five. Underneath them, they'll have like managers. Underneath them, they'll have, you know, mid-managers and stuff like that. So in any given business, there's probably about 50, 60 people that you can go for. You know, if you're splitting it divisionally, it's completely different. But understanding who the person to speak to for each thing is so important because, Looking long term, I mean, we've just started a blue collar division across Northwest Yorkshire and the Midlands. We've never really done it before, but the fact that we all know our markets really well on the team has made it really, really easy for people to come in and go, right, these are the people that I need to speak to. But actually understanding when you hear of a name that's moving, you automatically know where they've come from. Mm. So you can, you know, there's your leads or there's a candidate who's looking or Mm. immediate, you know, it depends what the situation is, but one person's name leads to so many different things. And I think, I mean, James has always told me about this, but there's one person knows five people on average that will be valuable to you. So you need to understand who they know. And that's how I map my market out, basically. I I had contacts in each company. I said, who do you know? They'd give me five names, give me the numbers. I'd ring them. Well, you know that person. Oh, yeah, yeah, straight away, walls down. Mm. Like, they're not hiding anything from you because you've found common ground. And so I map my mark out by finding people's weaknesses. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I know this person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we did this, this together. So I think the main thing for me in mapping your market out is having something in common with someone, whether it be a hobby, whether it be a contact. Everyone wants something from you. Mm. If you're going to go into a phone call with someone and you're mapping your market out and understanding who works where, you need to build trust with that person. So when you ring them, first of all, you know, you're not going to ring them and go, hi, I'm Alicia. Just a quick one. Who works with you? Um, who's your boss? Like, they're going to be like, go away. Like, mm. why would I tell you that? It's like, if someone rang me for my bank details, I won't give it to them. <laughs> so you've got to have that same mentality of like, what would you do if someone rang you in that position or mm. someone was trying to understand your business? It's having a re- like reality check of like, right, okay, well, what do I need to give that person? So I re- I'll ring them and be like, hi, Paul, let's say, for example, 
I was speaking to Barry and Barry and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, how is Barry? Yeah, he's great, great. I just wanted to get a bit of an understanding of your business, blah, blah. And that's how I did it, was just being really relatable and having a laugh with him. Like, it's not that deep. <laughs> I say it to everyone, I'm like, it's not that deep. It's having a conversation with a person that like, we all go home, have our tea, put our jammies on and go to bed. <laughs> We're the same. <laughs> that's the reality. Yeah, I love that. So I was going to ask you like, okay, so if maybe an old call that Alicia would do would sound like that or someone listening right now, their call would... Like they know that the importance of getting information, understanding more about that business, but the only way that they feel like they can do it is by, yeah, creating that experience that you just described. But now then what you're saying is because you've done that upfront work of market mapping or always committing to understanding where people are at, where they're going, and you're asking good quality questions like who else do you know or what challenges do you have? Or you know what, well, actually, no, this person that had that challenge, but now they're sort of doing this. So you're saying now the calls would sound more like, Hey, Alicia, look, I spoke to this person who said that they know you or like, is that basically what you lean into is just like basically using other people. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sourcebreaker. And today I wanted to talk to you about sales opportunities and how Sourcebreaker can help. Because are you tired of the competition beating you to new sales opportunities? Do you want to make more placements from your existing resources? Who doesn't? Transform the way you work with Sourcebreaker. Revolutionizing recruitment with AI-powered technology, Sourcebreaker powers you with laser-accurate search results across all your sourcing platforms to build candidate pools filled with highly qualified individuals, all from one place, not from multiple tabs in different places. You will get perfect fit opportunities automatically tracking relevant vacancies and events in your market niche in real time and pre-built automations that constantly scope your markets to deliver high quality results at speeds your competitors simply can't match. Head over to sourcebreaker.com for more information. Back to the episode. It's 100% name dropping is the key. Mm. And people think that you're being cheeky doing that. I speak to a lot of chief execs, directors, and I guarantee the person that I name drop them to isn't going to ring them and say, oh my God, Alicia rang me and said that she spoke to you. They don't, they're, they're not going to do that. Just knowing that name is going to have power. So for me, like I'll ring people, I'll ring someone, I'll have a conversation. Like I've got some great relationships at like a, a top level and I always name drop them and I tell them, I'm like, oh, I'm going to ring that person. They're like, yeah, do you want his number? I'm like, yeah, well then, <laughs> why not? Like, you know, you, you've got to just be cheeky. <laughs> and that's the best way to do it. Like the worst thing someone's going to do is say no. Mm. That's my, like, I'm fine with that. Like, hon, rejection is in my blood. Like, I like, you, it doesn't bother me. Mm. So you've got to have a really thick skin. Like one thing I think when people get into the industry, it's like, oh God, what if they say no or put the phone down to me? Like, trust me, after five years, I've had enough phones down put on me. I've, longer, actually. Dating. You know, when people don't want to go on a date with you, what do you do? Move on to the next. <laughs> Who cares? Like, it's not It's not a big deal. And that whole thing I'm saying, oh, it's not that deep. It isn't. Like, mm. you know, if you ring them and have a bad call, they're not going to go, oh, my God, two years ago, she rang me. It was terrible. Mm. They're not going to say that. They're not even going to remember. They're going to be like, oh, that was a bit shit. We'll see you later. I'm like... Yeah, I think we've all got stories like that. I, I've definitely got, and I, st I always remember it, like it ended up being one of my best clients who I did like five deals with. But my first interaction right with this guy, it was so embarrassing. Like I knew that it was a company that was like always hiring these things. And during like a BD sprint or whatever, called his mobile, didn't get through, left a voicemail. Didn't do a good job of like writing a note of like that I did that or... I didn't have his number saved or whatever. So I got a call back and like I just couldn't for the life of me figure out who, <laughs> who the it fuck was. it was. It's like I got a missed call. Oh God, I know. And I was like, who is who is this guy? You know, when you're on the phone, you're trying to give like a stall. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And then anyway, it was just terrible, terrible call. And afterwards, when the call ended, I was like, oh my God, it was the guy that I've really, I've put on my dream client list because I know they're in my patch. They're hiring all the time. <laughs> And I just made him feel like I can't even, I don't even know who I'm calling. Do you know what the worst thing was? I had one of these the other day and it's someone that I know really, really well as well. He was like, but he was like, hi, you're right. I was like, hi, yeah, you're right. And it just, the whole thing was just really awkward. And it, it must have been like 10 minutes after he's like, during the call, he goes, 
it's Rob. And I was like, oh, oh God, yeah, hi, Rob. <laughs> and I still couldn't picture who it yeah. was. But, but like, like, yeah, I think we've all got those stories and like that happened. But then three months later became like I, I was his guys to do his deals, even though it's so like, I, I get that. We all have stories like that. So I, I understand what you're saying. So basically ad- advice there then is, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with like having a spreadsheet or whatever. It's not old school. I think it's like, if if you're listening right now. Better than a pen and paper, let's just yeah, say 100%. That. So like if you're listening right now, and like Alicia's saying, if you were to get asked, who are the key players in your market? Or like just some key bits, high level stuff around your market. If you're not able to answer that, you're going to always struggle to um, yeah. really hit the numbers that you want to. And, uh, and just quickly also, like I think, although, yeah, okay, Excel spreadsheet, but like that's a really great visual to be able to like if you can just go into a document and just like see things mm. you can't fucking see that on linkedin like that's that'd be really difficult yeah. to like see all in one place you're seeing it all in one place so I, I don't think that's old school at all i think it's just a smart thing to do and if you're listening and you don't have anything like that you just relied on linkedin these things it's different i, I see a lot of value in that show me i've got a template <laughs> <laughs> nice. but i think like one one thing that just from that like spit off of what you said is like if someone asks you a question about the market, knowledge is power. Like, mm. credibility will get you further than anything in the world. You could not make any money, but... Uh, no, point proven. I didn't make any money, but I knew everyone. How mm. did I know everyone? I was just name-dropping. I was like, oh, no, this person, this person. Like, knowing people is your biggest strength, and relationships will be... You can do any job... I could do any job in the world, and I know that, mm. just because I know because I know how to build relationships. Like, that's all the job is. Like, it's not as complicated as people make out. Mm. it's easy and it's fun Mm. you can go out like once you get to a level where you know everyone you're out on your lunches and your golf days or whatever i don't do golf days let's just start (laughs) i don't do those i don't do football or anything like that but that's when it gets fun (laughs) so let's talk about this first year then because that like is completely like a different year for you right yeah so what else are we speaking about market mapping speaking about winning relationships knowing people name dropping these things like what? What else do you think that you did that year that was totally different to when Alicia was was doing the numbers before? Like, what else did you, yeah, really lean into, become good at in in hindsight looking back? I mean, I could do one of those bank accounts like manifestation. <laughs> no, to be fair, it was just work ethic. Really, I was, you know, I did five hours on the phone every day. Like, I was would always want to be the hardest working person in the room, and I think that probably the first year I was proving a point to everybody. I was making a point of being like, you know, I do deserve to be here because everyone was so high performing and still is that I wanted to be in that circle. I was like, I want to be in that circle where like, you know, you're highly rated. And I think probably the one thing I didn't do right was doing it for myself. I was doing it for external validation, Mm. which I crave on a regular basis. I've got major issues with it. (laughs) But yeah, it was just work ethic. You know, you can be a busy fool. That's one thing that you don't want to be. But when you understand the job role and are mapping your market out, which I already did, but I continue to do, you will be the busiest person in the room. Just building relationships with people so that they can give you the information that you need. So say, for example, you've got a candidate, you're on the phone to him for 10 to 15 minutes. You can find out where he's interviewed, who else he knows, five people he works with, who his boss, like all these things are going to be key for you. But when you're just trying to pull as much of that information as possible, it's very easy to do five hours on the phone, Mm. four, five hours, three hours, whatever it may be. Now I can do an hour and a half on the phone a day and book seven interviews, get, that's what happens when you kind of do the hard work at the start. But it's that initial foundation of, you've always just got to have a really, really good work ethic and no one's going to do it for you. That's, Mm. That's the harsh reality that I learned five years ago is that, you know, I got given a phone and a laptop and it was like sink or swim, go and build a market and see what you can do. Fair enough, I didn't make the business any money, but then I came here, got the right tools to build the house and here we are living yeah. in a mansion. Like, it, it's nice, like, but I think the difference for me was just my attitude. I wanted to do it. Mm. You know, I had a real hunger in me that was like, go and get it. Like, you know, this is what your life could look like. This is what it looked like currently. I was driving. I remember it so clearly. I was driving. I had £36.74 in my bank account when I joined Anderson James. Like, that was it. That was my first day. I had £36.74. I was driving a Vauxhall Adam, red, absolutely battered. It was horrendous. It had, like, a checkered ceiling. And my partner always said he was like, he's like, when you flip the car, when you crash, you can play chess. (laughs) 
and it's always it's just like it's always stuck with me like and that was just like and I was so I, do you know what I was happy with that for age that would have been absolutely fine but then I joined Anderson James and they were living I was like this is what I want to be a part of like but that's what happens when you surround yourself with high level people you're an average of the five people around you or whatever that saying is and I didn't believe it until I saw it and then I was like, right, I need to get into this circle. And that's when, you know, little, it's little milestones. It's like you get your first commission, it's your first designer bag, it's your first like, your first nice car. And those little things keep you going. But you've con- I set myself some really good goals. And I think having a clear vision of your goals and what you want to do is so important. Mm. Like, I, I set a goal to do 50K a quarter. That was minimum. Like I had to do that and I did it. Mm. And it's like, you know this year I'm like I've got to do 100k a quarter I'm like you know what I mean it's like you just your goals increase as you increase but I think having clear goals is really important I think also having a great work ethic is the most important thing mm. you've got to have something it's it's having something to work for so you've always got to have a clear vision of what you want and the work ethic comes from there I mean I've mine comes from a bit of a different place like you know <laughs> but you know we've all got a story behind us and a reason for going to work and a reason for wanting to make money and it's having that a clear vision of that and mm. being like right well I know what I need to do so let's go and get it mm. you know I always like the saying like you can't be what you can't see yeah you know and I think that that's a really sort of cool part of the, this story so just focusing on one bit of what you were just saying because I think actually I when I speak to a lot of managers owners and you always hear this terminology like get leads do you know what I mean it's like it's, it's very classic but what I really liked about what you said and I think people early on can sometimes miss this is like you can really have the blinkers on right you've got a job you're working on it I speak to Alicia who sort of fits the sort of thing and I'm just I've got my blinkers on I'm like could Alicia do this job I'm gonna ask her questions does she have the right skills the right background and that's all I'm focused on yeah but obviously what you just said in terms of being on the phone building relationships doing these things you literally just reeled off like seven different things that you could get from that phone call which isn't specific to just one job do you get what i mean 100 percent. let's just get really granular for a sec like call it getting leads whatever but it's, it's getting information information is power right as you said and we're getting, to know. getting to know yeah? <laughs> so from your perspective a candidate call yeah. what are some of the things that you can get from that beyond can alicia do this job because you just reeled off a lot so what are always the typical things that you've got front of mind that's bigger than this one job if I'm honest, leads are BS. Okay. Like, what is a lead? Mm. Is a lead that they're moving? Is a lead that they the interview? Like, what mm. is it? Like, you know, I think it's the getting to know is the lead. Okay, getting to know. Yeah, like the, the GTK. Um, <laughs> but so the getting to know someone, it's like, so what's the family life like? Mm. You know, what do they do outside of the work? When they're ringing you, are they walking the dog? What dog have they got? Like, that's it. Those are important things because mm. then. I think the daughter's getting married or whatever, like, and then you go, how was the wedding when you next... Little mm. things like that are key. So getting to know someone on that personal level is absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. Have they interviewed anywhere else? Yeah, it's important, but is what it is. Who do they work with? Do they actually enjoy their job? Where are they? You know, is there anyone there that, you know, oh, is anyone looking that, you know, have you heard anything? And these little key bits of information will give you leads if you've got the right tuning in your mind. Mm. And this is where I think people forget is the fact that, Say, for example, I spoke to someone the other day. You know, I, I still forget things on the phone now. Like, I'm not, like, saying I'm... I'm not perfect. I'm not the Gandhi of, like, <laughs> you know, phone calls and getting to know people. Like, but my process is I'll always ring them and then I'll always go and have a coffee with them or a drink or, you know, whatever you want. Like, mm. I'll always do that because I then get a deeper level of understanding of who they are. Um, but that first initial conversation, you're just understanding, you know, what their current situation is like. Who are they around? Who do they report into? Do they like them? And they're automatically like, right, do you like your boss? Oh, no, not really. He's a bit of a da 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 then, then they drop his name. There's you building your market straight away. Mm. So they report into that person. You can add him to the pool of people that they he works with. Yeah, family stuff's really, really important. You've got to understand what the life looks like outside of the day job anyway. But it depends, really. My conversations are different on client and candidate. Mm. So my client calls, I don't really talk about, like, I just talk about them. Mm. I get an understanding. I want to understand you. I want to understand your team. I want to understand what the business is like. Do you know the reputation of the company? Like, I'm always here to serve hot truths to clients. Like, I always say to people, I'm like, do you know what people are saying about, you, about in the market about you? 
And they go, oh God, know what they're saying. Uh, well, it's not very good. <laughs> like you need to be there to give them that because you are the expert. You know more than anyone, mm. you know, what the market's saying because you spend four hours a day <laughs> speaking to the market. So mm. if you hear about one business that isn't doing very well, you want to ring them and let them know, you know, how is there anything that I can do to help? Like automatically, well, do you know what? Actually, we're really struggling with this. Okay, cool. There's a problem. I'm here to solve it. Mm. So that's on one side, that's that. And then on the other side, on the like candidate side, it is just getting to know them and getting a real understanding of like, do they actually enjoy the job? Is there anyone that they work with that they don't like? Have they had loads of people leaving? Mm. There's immediately, you know, you've got, there's jobs there because the people are leaving. Like it's a spin off, mm. but you, the key thing is getting to know them. Mm. And once you open those, that once that wall of trust goes down, you know, they actually trust you, they've let you in. It's like a floodgate. They'll tell you anything. Mm. But the key thing is that you've actually got to really value those people. Like think of them as your friends. I'm the same with with them as I am on a night out. Like I've, I've got the same banter, you know, I'm just myself. And the thing is caring about people is really, really important, but they know on straight away if you care or not. They're mm. like, it's like Jedi mind tricks. Like they know if you don't care and they know if you're just after the money. It's a transaction, yeah. Yeah, and that that's where you'll you'll fail every time. And that's where I probably failed three years ago, mm. you know, was the fact I was like, I wasn't really, I wouldn't say I'm focused on the money, but like I was surface just- surface level, is like surface level. Yeah, I was just like it. doing the job. Like, mm. but I think because I built some great relationships from it, it got me where I am now. Mm. But at the time it was never a financial thing. So I actually got to know them on a real level. Like mm. they were They were like- they were people to me. I didn't want to get, I didn't want anything from them. They didn't want anything from me. <laughs> like, well, you weren't delivering anything to them, mate. Oh my God. <laughs> Talk about salt in the wound. It's fucking true. <laughs> I know. But that's what I mean. Like, you know, yeah. when you take that out of it, you actually get real genuine connection. Yeah. And that's probably what I would say to anyone that's starting out in, in recruitment in any market. You've got to be genuine. You've got mm. to actually care about it. Like we've, and you know, as a business, we've seen people come and go that you can tell that they don't care straight away and they don't make any money. Mm. Like it goes hand in hand. You've got to care. You've got to actually care about these people. Mm. So what I wanted to just get your experience on now then is how did you keep your feet on the ground? Because surely like that was a completely different year for you. And I think it's very easy to sort of talk about what to do when things are tough and all that. But I think it's just as important to, yeah, like share how you made sure that, yeah, Alicia didn't become like a dick, basically. Like you went from like being not a big shot to maybe being... I knew this like, question was coming. Just yeah, ask fair, James. It's a fair question. Ask James. He gave me a few harsh reality checks. Okay, well, I talked to him then. So like, yeah, like what did you learn about yourself then from going from that to that? Because you would have earned a lot more money. Very quick one from me. Vincherry are one of our podcast partners. And Vincherry, if you don't know already, are an all-in-one recruitment agency software. And I wanted to tell you a bit about the different parts of their product. And today I wanted to tell you about intelligence. Vincherry's intelligence suite is all about empowering you with actionable insights so you can make better decisions and coach teams to higher performance. It's pre-integrated with Vincherry Core CRM and offers the ultimate analytics combo you need to run a successful recruitment business, particularly in the current modern landscape, people working in the office, people working at home. You're going to be able to get access to a library of 50 plus out of the box best practice dashboards. We all love a dashboard. Or you can even build your own using the self-serve analytics studio. Customer using Vincherry love the KPI console, the data integrity, fees forecaster, and temp and contractor dashboards, to name a few. Find out more about Vincherry as a whole and Vincherry Intelligence by using the link in the show notes. And because you listen to this podcast, you will get 10% off your user seats. Back to the episode. Did you stay grounded? Did you not? No. Let's just keep it real. No, I didn't. Mm. I was an absolute bell end. Really? Yeah. Yeah, facts. Like... Do you know what? I, I'm not a malicious person and my heart's always in the right place. But I think it was when you realise how good you are or mm. how, you know, how successful you can be, you start being like, well, you need to be that. Like you start going around thinking, and you know what? The, like James, credit to him, man. I'm so glad he did it. Me and James have had murders about stuff like this. <laughs> like, like last year, um, the year before, sorry, it was 
very much James telling me like, look, you know, remember where, remember who you are. Mm. That's not you. And all it took was him to, to have those harsh conversations. But no, I didn't stay grounded at all. So what does that look like? You were like just saying like what you weren't very empathetic or understanding. You I wasn't. Just... I was. I was a terrible person to work with. Really. That's why I can't manage. Like I've not got the patience, and I expect everyone to do it the way that I do it. Mm. Reality is they're not. Like mm. no one's the same. And that's that's probably where that had to sink in real quick. But I went from, you know, I had a pretty good job prior to working in recruitment. I was a supervisor of a restaurant and I earned really good money. Like, it was like footballers everywhere. Mm. It was mega. Like, And that's how I learned to talk to people and have no judgment on where you come from because I had the same conversation with them as mm. I would with someone that's just coming for a bowl of chips and a glass of rosé. <laughs> no judgment here. Like, We all love it. So... I think that when I started making good money again, but it was probably four times the amount of money that I'd made doing that other job, I was mm. like, oh my God, I'm Beyonce. Like, I all of a sudden got in my head and thought I was this person that I wasn't. Mm. I'd say probably the past eight months have been really, really shaping for me um, on a personal level. Because what I realised was money doesn't make you happy. Really? Yeah, massively. Like, I was earning my, the most money. I realised I had no friends. I had no one, like, I had no genuine, like, I had my partner, but I had no genuine relationships, like, but I had this money that I wanted to enjoy, but I didn't have anyone to enjoy it with. Mm. And I think that was, like, a really big realisation for me that, like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm only 24 now, I'm 25 in a month. Shout out to me. Um, <laughs> big two five. <laughs> big yeah, like, two you're five. no like life expert here, but you're just being real. You've just been honest in terms of yeah, the things that like, you've had to learn about yourself. I was really lonely. And I mm. think that working in a sales job when you are young is great because you can earn great money, great foundation, buy yourself a house, buy yourself a nice car, whatever the hell you want to do. But I was lonely mm. and I was sad. I used to just like go home and cry. Like, and that's like reality of it is the fact that, you know, everyone wants money, but when you've got it, you know, unless you've got yourself and you know yourself really well and you're really happy and you've got a good life, you're not going to enjoy it. So I was rich and miserable mm. and, you know, didn't have fre real friends to enjoy it with. And, you know, I like my family, yeah, we were great, did some nice things, but you want your friends, don't you? You want to mm. like, and I think I've worked really hard last year on building a really solid circle around me that of people that actually support me. Because a lot of the times it's jealousy, you mm. know, I'm, 24 like earning really really good money loads of my friends are in like you know just normal admin jobs which I love like I loved my admin job when I had it like it's just chill they don't want that st I love the high pressure environment some people don't like mm. you know but you go in like we'd go to America all the time like my partner lives there like we you know we do stuff like that and I couldn't do it with anyone because they were mm. like oh no I don't really have the money but you realize that when those people see you've got money they're like oh I want to go out for dinner but I've got no money oh it's fine I'll pay why like mug like why like, why would I do that unless you actually do it back I'm not doing it like and I think that was probably the reality that I was really lonely and I was really sad and then last year I worked really hard to like and that was my best year last year but I, I was having the most fun I had the best year of my life last year yeah it's mega yeah it was just fun like it was just like I enjoyed it and I did it right mm. but yeah money does not make you happy facts it's but, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, I feel... No, I really appreciate you sharing that and, and you being honest. Because, yeah, I think... Let's be honest. Like, for me for me personally, what I can speak about is money. For me, it's, it is about options. Like, the main thing that I get excited about. So, like, if I was to write, I want to earn 100 grand and I was to look at that goal, that would make me feel nothing. Yeah. So for me, what I've had to continually get better at and understand is, okay, so if I make 100 grand, what does that actually mean? Well, it means that uh, me and Jess are going to be able to get the home and the light and like take steps towards the life we want to build. That that means something. Yeah, of course. I want to be able to help my parents buy a place in Morocco or whatever, which is their dream. Like that, You have to work that out. Do you know what I mean? So I've definitely been on, on that journey, but you are right in terms of, yeah, you might have the most amount of money that you have in your bank account, but if you just feel like you've got no connection with anyone on these things that that's fucking that's a tough position to be in yeah massively and i think it all stems back from having those clear goals like mm. my goal was financial mm. so when i had that money i was like well, what do i do with it now like mm. you know i'd set this goal of having this financial goal but i was like well, i don't really know what to do with it whereas last year my goal was to travel 
Right. And boy, did I travel. Like, <laughs> I had the best time. And it's like, I shared some amazing memories with people. And, you know, I think James is and I'm harping on about James, but James is always like, you know, it's nice having designer things, but that isn't like, that isn't the be all and end all. So the first year that I made money, I was head to toe in designer. I was living. I was like, look at me, Louis Vuitton, like... I like a knob. Like, that's not like... Like, you had something to do, like, trying to showcase Yeah, something. like, who was I doing it for? Like, that's yeah. what I was saying about last year I did it for me. Mm. Whereas the year before, I was doing it for everyone else. Mm. And, you know, the designer bags wear thin, literally. Like, they're plastic. We're spending, like... I know I've got nothing to say because I've got one still, but, like, it, it wears thin. You know, the, mm. the joy of getting a designer bag, like... Yeah, you, you have to get one. Like, that's a fact. Like, in your life, you need to just get one. Mm just as a thing but like you know getting them once a once a quarter because or once a month because you've got good money isn't realistic and it's also not a cool thing to do <laughs> so let so look, so let's talk about like yeah last year then and we're talking about that and like i said really appreciate you being um honest with us here so there's one thing and i was just saying this to the previous guy because he's been on a similar journey like there's one thing achieving that top bill of status but then i don't know what you feel like but a lot of people that i've interviewed they've sort of felt like retaining it is like if not harder, basically. Yeah, it is. So what did you have top of mind? Where did you sort of try and get better in, in the 1% in terms of going from 240 to 360? What Did you do anything differently? What did you double down on? So planning for me was key. Okay. Um, so I've started something last year, which was called the 12-week year. Okay. It's life-changing. Talk to us. No credits to it. Someone on TikTok showed it me. It's basically where you break your year down into 12 weeks. So you focus on quarters instead of the year. Mm. Now, it's great when you work in recruitment because 12 weeks flies by, but it's so important. You know, a lot can happen in 12 weeks. So you basically, how do I describe it? So you start off with your goals. What do you want to achieve? For the year. For the for the 12 weeks. Okay, for the 12 weeks. You have a year goal. You know what your year goal is, but you break it down into a smaller one. That's which what I was going to say, yeah. Year goal. Yeah. Then year goal, generate. 12 weeks. So in that 12 weeks, you break it up into, say, Jan, Feb, March. So what do you need to do? What three things do you need to do to achieve that goal? Just three. Three. Four. You can do however many, how many, many goals you've got. You can, mine's three. So I always work in threes. I don't know what it is with me, like a one in three ratio of them getting placed. What do you need to do to do that three things? So what daily tasks do you need to do to achieve that goal? So every month is different. So say, for example, I'll use one of my things. So mine would be do 100 grand in a quarter. Okay. So what, then break it up into three goals. How many placements do I need to do mm -hmm. to do that? So I think mine worked out, it was like 12 placements to do that. So then that's done. So I need to do 12 placements. What do I need to do to do those 12 placements? Daily. Well, daily. So I need to send nine CVs a week. I need to make, have five interviews a week. So I broke it down really, really nitty gritty. And that was my KPIs. Mm. But the 12 week year is really important because you're not worrying about the year. Mm. You know, when I think one thing with newer recruiters is that they panic. Mm. Well, I've got loads of time. You haven't. Trust me. Mm. <laughs> like, and it changes by the day. It's a roller coaster of emotions. But breaking it down into a 12-week year will just give you so much more manageable time because you're not worrying about what's happening for the rest of the year. You don't care if the market's taking a turn in July. You're focused on January, February, March. Because if, if you do those things, it plays out anyway. Exactly. It can be the same every 12 weeks, but just managing that is really, really important. So say, for example, January, February, March is a key time for me to meet clients and candidates. So I'll target myself on 10 meetings a, 10, 10 meetings, 10 meetings a week. Mm. I just need to hit that. That's like, so I want to meet X amount of people. I want to meet the majority. So if your target is, I want to meet half my market, it's going to be hard because the market's big, but mm. how, how do you do that? Well, I need to meet this many people a week. Well, how are you going to meet that many people a week? I need to make this many phone calls. You know, some of them are going to drop out. So you need mm. to make more than, it's just, it's having it in a really manageable, like I need manageable things for me. You know, that <laughs> it really breaks it down. And then how do you hold yourself accountable every week? Are you reviewing... So right. yeah, I've got a spreadsheet, <laughs> shock, yeah, that is basically, um, I keep track of everything that I'm doing. Okay. There is a template for this on a thing called Notion. So no, I, I use Notion. Yeah, Notion's amazing. Mm. There is a 12-week year thing on Notion. Oh, really? Um, I can send you the templates. Mm. It's so good, which basically will hold you really accountable because you track it every day. Have yeah. I done that? Oh, shit, no. Like, I, I don't, to be honest, 
two years ago, I wouldn't let myself leave the office on a Friday if I hadn't have done it. Mm. Now I'm a bit less lenient because I know how to get, if something drops out or I don't do something, I'm like, oh, it's fine. You're back do. yourself, yeah. Yeah, I'm just like... I'm, you've I'm, got the evidence. You've worked hard to get the evidence going, no, yeah. you, no you, I can do this. But I wish I did 12-week year when I started recruitment. Mm. That was joy. It was, it's so good. Like, it just holds you really, really accountable, but it also keeps it quite manageable mm. for you. You know, it's like 12 weeks. What like you, you know, When you actually realise what you can do in 12 weeks, it gives you the biggest level of confidence. Like, mm. you're like, oh my God, like, I've met, hundred people or I've done this or I've done like you you really back yourself even more but it, that that would be a really really key thing that anyone that like wants to know about that like mm. listen holler like it's amazing <laughs> love it all right so as we come to an end here then wanted to ask because I know it's something that you're passionate about we've spoken about organization building relationships so I'm just going to say this because what I, I don't you can tell me what you think right yeah yeah when I hear people on podcasts um and even just like content that I consume right and basically, so because Alicia is a woman that works in construction, yeah, like for, from where I'm sitting, I feel like a lot of people are good at them putting you in like a box. Yeah. Because like, you're a woman in construction. Tits and eyelashes, they say. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like you, that mean that must mean that you experience these certain things, right? Yeah. So I, my question isn't that. It's just like women working in your market as a, as a female, what has that experience been like? Rather than me being like, Oh, has it been challenging for you because you're a yeah. woman in construction? Do you know I, mean, what? I don't think that's the right way to approach these things. But it you, hasn't. Share with, you share with us what your experience has been. It, it, that is so outdated. Like, it depends who you are. If you're a sap and you let people do it, <laughs> then you're like, that's on you. That's not on anyone else. Like, at the end of the day, you know, yeah, it does happen, but you are in control of that. Like, you need to tell, like, if someone said to me, right, I was like, said something a bit direct. I'd be like, are you all right? Like, I'd, I'd make them feel bad about it. I'd, I'd embarrass them. You just got to school these people. Like, mm. but I think it's because I back myself a little bit more where I'm just like, I'm not going to let people s- walk or if I want to flirt with someone, I'll flirt with them. Like, it, it's not, it's not the end of, like, you know, you have that banter, don't mm. you? Where it's like, I've got a few of my clients that like, we just have a laugh together. Like, it's dead friendly, dead funny, but it's always professional. Like, there's some people that cross out, like one thing that I would never do is cross that professional like level for me. Like I'm, that's like totally out of character. Like it's just not my, not how I work. Some people do, some people don't. Mm. That's fine. Like no judgment on anyone. But for me, I'll always flip it back. What do you mean? Like, does your wife know you're saying that to me? <laughs> does your wife and kids know that you think that? Like, do you know, like you've just got to, imba- you've got to, imba- like, it is, it is tough. Don't get me wrong. Like, there are a few people. It's a lot more educated now, the industry and construction. Like, So you have found it tough? Yeah, at the, at the start I did because I didn't back myself and I'd let people just like say the most horrendous things to me. Like, it, But looking now, it's not where it was. And I think as well, if you allow it to happen, it'll happen. Right. And it is a tough industry because it's very male dominated, but I'm massive on women in construction. You know, I've placed a lot of females into businesses and encourage a lot of people that are female to get into the business. Like... And it is hard because I think people still have this preconception. It's not what it used to be. Even five, six years ago, it, it was bad. It's not that now. Like people, there are people a lot um, tougher on within businesses. So it isn't like that. Mm. However, you know, you still get the odd person. It's not like, just, who cares? Like just embarrass them. <laughs> like it's the best thing to do is feel, like, oh, shut up. Like you're weirdo. <laughs> like you're all right. <laughs> but that that's the best way to do it. Whereas some people I know feel quite intimidated by it. Mm. but you've got to set your stall out and, you know, you'd be like, don't speak to me like that. So what's the advice for people then? If I'm listening right now, I'm female, working in the construction thing, I'm, yeah, like, what is there any advice that you have for me? Like, you are in control of the level of banter. If you don't like it, just say you don't like it. Like, I'm very, very vocal about how I feel about things, as you probably know. <laughs> like, I'm not afraid to tell people what I think. Used to be, now I'm not. When I was afraid of what people thought of me and tried to make everyone like me, if you put someone in their spot, and they don't like it, you don't want to work with that person. Mm. That's that's They're not the type of people that you want to involve yourself with. You know, if there's people that are worried about getting into the industry or worried about what people will say, when they do say it, say, oh, no, you're all right, see you later, put the phone, never speak to them again, that's fine. Like, you've mm. embarrassed them. So they probably don't want to speak to you either, but you also don't want to associate with those types of people. They're not professional. You're not actually going to get anything out of them because they'll string you along on, like, a little, like, one of them, hoping that you're going to, like, go and, you know, flirt with them. Like, you're not, so you don't need them. Mm. Fuck them. Like, it doesn't matter. 
people do feel a level of pressure when they are new to the industry for everyone to like them and to go along with it and to be like, oh, yeah, ha like, no, no, just, like, put them in their place. But that's taken a bit of time for you to, like, yeah. feel confident. But I think that it's very easy when you get into to do that. Like, don't worry about what people think about you. Like, that's always, that's been, that seems to have been, like, the, like, mm. constant thing. It's easier said than done that, though. Yeah, it is. But... I think that having respect for yourself and knowing that you are a professional person, backing yourself in the sense of you're credible, you know what you're talking about. Even if you don't, you do. You know, whatever, like I was, I probably don't know what I'm talking about half the time, but I'll say I do. But just backing yourself in the sense that your values aren't that. Like you don't have to lower yourself to anyone else's standard. Mm. Like you're there to do a job. You're not there to be, you know, dolly trolley or whatever i don't know what that word is but like you know you're not there to be like an eye candy for someone like you're you're professional and at the moment that you set that stall out and do that people have so much more respect for you yeah fair well look absolutely love that conversation it's been great uh nothing short of authentic which brings <laughs> us back to the first point which look that's that's what i'm all about that's that's how i roll i think look credit to you uh i think that's like your story is what's so cool about our industry. I think like if you're someone that's willing to work hard, learn, look yourself in the mirror, then there's there's no reason why you aren't able to achieve the the life or the goals that that you want. You know, so I think kudos to you to, to turning it around. It obviously hasn't been easy. You've um, had to have some tough conversations. You've yeah. had to have people be honest with you. And again, that that takes courage to take that on. You know, so uh, massive thank you for coming on the pod. Thanks for having Absolutely me. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the recruitment mentors podcast